Well, welcome this morning to all of you here at Bethany Bible Church. I know because of the coronavirus restrictions, we're not able to be together, but uh, it has been quite a while since I have preached to you. And of course, not only the coronavirus issues, but what's been going on with our family, with the death of my dear wife, Beth, will be together sometime soon, we trust. Uh, We hope that maybe these restrictions will be lifted and we'll be able to to come and all be together here at the church. But I thought this might be an opportunity for you to hear an Easter message and uh, maybe even look at some of the great outdoors behind me because it is Easter morning and we are grateful that Jesus Christ is alive He has been resurrected from the dead, and I know that you and I cherish that doctrinal truth because we cherish the one behind such truth, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I'll be talking more, of course, in the days when we get together about what our family has experienced with the home going of our dear Beth from me and from our family. But I wanted to talk about resurrection because that's such a key doctrine, of course, in the Scripture. Uh, the greatest truth of the New Testament, but also to talk about the homegoing of my beloved wife. So as we gather together uh, in the electronic medium that we have, I want to be able to talk this morning about a title uh, and the reality behind such a title, because I think there are misconceptions or confusion uh, or maybe misunderstanding about the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. And because this is Easter, because it is Resurrection Sunday of 2020, I wanted to be able to bring you a message this morning entitled, Clearing Up Some Confusion About Resurrection. Clearing Up Some Confusion About Resurrection. I have five points that I want to give to you this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking all over the New Testament. Uh, There are five ways that I think resurrection has been something of a bit of confusion in the minds of believers. Of course, not all believers, but if we're not careful, we can not only believe things, but encourage other Christians uh, to believe some things about resurrection uh, that might not be particularly biblically precise. And I want us to take the Scripture and understand the Scripture so that we're able to understand the clarity with which Scripture gives us regarding the doctrine of resurrection. Let's talk about these five areas, shall we? The first is this, Jesus Christ is Lord over all life. That's the first of the five points that I want to bring this morning regarding having clarity regarding the doctrine of the resurrection of believers. Jesus Christ is Lord over all life. In other words, I don't want you to be confused or even concerned about who is in charge of life and death. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of life. And I want you to know that since Jesus Christ is Lord over all of life, no virus can be, uh, no, no bug, uh, no malady, 
no uh, physical issue that is tied or connected with the fall of mankind, with the sin curse on the earth, is Lord over all life. Jesus Christ is. And I want to show that to you from particularly the Gospel of John. So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5. John chapter 5 will be the first place in which we look at the Scripture for the attestation of the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord over all of life. If you want to put it in an argument sense, uh, to, to lay out an argument that no disease, um, death, the curse of the earth is Lord over life, but Jesus Christ is, we could say it this way. We could call this the argument of the power of life, Jesus Christ being that power, having that power. This is the argument of the power of life, the power of life over disease, uh, over death, uh, even death itself as power, because we're all going to die. That's true. But Jesus Christ is Lord even over death. If you look at John chapter 5, and you know this is the famous passage about Jesus' healing of the paralytic man, 38 years in his paralysis, and Jesus heals him, heals him on the Sabbath. And if you go all the way to verse 21, it says this, John 5, 21, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, that is, life to mankind, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And then listen to this, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, John 5.24 says, I say to you, whoever hears my word, listen to that, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Do you hear what the scripture says? Jesus says, that he and he alone has the power to grant eternal life. Truly, truly, verse 24 says, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, that of course is the Father, has eternal life. That is to say, Jesus Christ is Lord over all life. He says further in verse 25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. How can the dead hear the voice of the Son of God and live? Jesus explains, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority, power. That's the word for for power. He's given him power to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. And then, of course, this most famous phrase in verse 28, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. 
You see, Jesus Christ has power over all disease, all maladies, all viruses, all bacteria, uh, whatever can hurt us in this life and can bring death to us, and all will die. When there are those who are connected in a relationship to Jesus Christ, when they die, they will be, according to the Word of God here in verse 28, resurrected to eternal life because Jesus Christ is the power of God to to grant eternal life. And the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Uh, This is a a theme that's repeated throughout the Gospel of John. Look over in your Bibles at John chapter 8. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 51. Jesus says to those who were actually against him, the religious leaders who were trying to, to kill him, trying to lead him to death because of his strong word. And in John chapter 8, verse 51, the Bible says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus speaking, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. You say, wait a minute. I thought you said just a moment ago that everyone dies. Yes, everyone will die physically, but those who are in Christ and who die physically will, who have kept Jesus' word, never see death. They'll be spiritually alive, even though their bodies will be in the grave to later be resurrected. They will hear the voice of the Son of God, those who have kept his word, and they will never see ultimate death, eternal death. Verse 52, the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died, they say. Who do you make yourself out to be? Verse 54 of John chapter 8, Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Using that I am statement all the way back in the Old Testament, the I am statement from the Father himself. And now Jesus is saying, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. To say, I am, Jesus is putting himself on the same plane, on a par with the Father himself. And he says that if you keep the Word of God, if you know God, if you have a relationship with me, Jesus Christ, you will not taste death. That is, your body may go into the grave, but you shall be resurrected to an eternal life to come. 
That's why I say Jesus Christ is Lord over all life. Now, we live in a society today when there's a coronavirus pandemic and everyone is so up in arms about their lives. Now, there's something natural to that. But if you know Jesus Christ, you know that no virus, no bacteria, no plague, no pandemic will ever go against the very will of God who says in Jesus Christ, I am Lord over all life. Don't be concerned about who's in charge of life or death. It isn't a plague. It isn't a bug. It isn't a bacteria. It isn't a virus. It is Jesus Christ. Look over at John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 27. There the scripture says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Do you see he's in charge of eternal life because he's Lord over all life. And, and these whom he has given eternal life will never perish. You say, well, you just said everybody would die. Yes, die physically, but not die eternally, not die spiritually. Your spirit, your soul goes on forever. And no one, Jesus says, will snatch them out of my hand. The Jews were infuriated with him because he was claiming of himself the lordship over all of life. And just one chapter later, of course, in John chapter 11, is the famous raising of Lazarus from the dead. This is is Jesus knowing that Lazarus had died. The disciples didn't necessarily understand these things because at first Jesus says that Lazarus has fallen asleep, according to John 11.11. He says, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, the apostle John says here in John eleven thirteen. But they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. And verse 14 goes on to say, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So they did go to Lazarus' tomb. He had, of course, been dead, according to the Scripture, four days. And in verse 38, Jesus was deeply moved, the Bible said, and he came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, the sister of Lazarus, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And of course, the crowd was furious, and they plotted to to kill Jesus. Why? Because Jesus 
is Lord over all life, which meant he was Lord over them, which is not what they desired. They didn't want his lordship over their lives. And Jesus had said very, very clearly in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Notice what he says in John chapter 12, just one chapter later in verse 47. John chapter 12, verse 47. This is an amazing attestation, these chapters in the Gospel of John, about Jesus Christ being the Lord over all life. Not some disease, not some malady, not some virus. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, John 12, 47 says, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. Well, what kind of judge is that? Jesus says, the word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. What what kind of word? For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that this commandment is eternal life. Why? Jesus has the authority, the power to grant eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And it couldn't be any clearer than John chapter 17, that great high priestly prayer, we call it, in John 17. Verse 1 says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, including this sin-cursed earth. Jesus has authority. And because he has authority over all flesh, he has the authority, the Bible says here in John 17, 1, to give eternal life to all whom you have given Jesus. You've given him authority to give eternal life. You've given him authority over all flesh, John 17, 2 is saying. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ. He's Lord over all life. Don't be confused. Don't be alarmed about viruses as they come. Be vigilant. Be careful. Do what you can, of course, because it's so natural to do what one must to see your life continue. That's very natural. But don't assume, don't become so preoccupied with something like that that you lose sight of the fact that even given every virus on the planet, Jesus Christ is Lord. Don't be confused or concerned about who's in charge of life and death. Number two, not only is Jesus Christ the Lord over all life, but Jesus Christ is alive, and so are his people, those who are in him. Jesus Christ is alive. Is alive. That's why we're celebrating Easter. That's why we are so excited about Resurrection Day, because Jesus Christ is alive. Do you remember what it says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18? Fear not, Jesus said, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, 
and behold, I am alive evermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. I mean, if Jesus Christ is Lord over all lives, over all lives in the universe, Jesus Christ himself, who died and was raised from the dead, is himself alive. Revelation 1.18 says, And therefore, so are those people who are in him. Don't be confused. Don't be concerned about your final destiny. Even if you contract the coronavirus, even if you are plagued with some other disease or, or malady, do not be concerned if you are a Christian, if you are genuinely in Jesus Christ. Don't be concerned about your final destiny. You say, why? Well, because God raised Jesus Christ, God the Father raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and he will raise you from the dead as well. Just as Jesus was the first fruits from the dead ones, so you and I, if we are in him, in Christ, we also will be raised from the dead. Now, again, don't be confused. Our, our bodies will go to the grave. Uh, are there, are, our bodies will be in the ocean. If, if you are there, uh, the, the bodies of all who die will, in fact, go into the tombs. That's, that's true. But your spirit, your soul is alive. That's why, frankly, beloved, Exodus 3.6 says this, I am the God of your father. God the Father talking to Moses, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. If you are in Christ, you're never more alive than when you've died. Why? Because your spirit, your soul is lifted from your body by God, and you are alive. Your spirit is alive. Your soul, speaking about the same thing, you are with the Lord. Now, I want to make an argument for this. This is what we could actually call the argument of the present tense verbs. What do I mean by that? Well, turn in your Bibles over to the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 22, we have the account of the Sadducees and their questioning of Jesus. Matthew chapter 22 beginning in verse 23. This, by the way, is listed in all three of the synoptic gospels in Matthew 22, here beginning in verse 23, running down to verse 33 in Mark chapter 12, which we'll read from verses 18 to 27, and in Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 40. Uh, It's important enough for all three of these gospel writers to include this account about the Sadducees who are questioning Jesus about resurrection. Now, the Sadducees, as you might know, say there is no resurrection, and that's exactly what Matthew 22, verse 23 says. The same day, Sadducees came to him who say there is no 
resurrection. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. When I said a moment ago that when a person dies, their body goes into the grave, the tomb. Um, if someone's buried at sea, it goes into the ocean, and someone assumes, well, they're they're eaten by fishes. They're they're not going to be around. There's there's no way to gather uh, all of their body parts, uh, their DNA, their cells together again. That's not true. Uh, there, there is resurrection, and God knows how to do that, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the Sadducees didn't believe that. The Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection, and they asked Jesus a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow, that's that kinsman-redeemer idea of the Old Testament, and raise up children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us. They just came up you know, with this idea of uh, posing this fake question, as it were, to Jesus. Uh, The first married and died. The first man who had married his wife, he dies, she remains living, and he had no children left with this wife uh, for his brother or to his brother. Verse 26, so too the second, the second brother, he he marries the woman and tries to raise uh, children by her so the, the ancestral line could continue, and the third down to the seventh. So they come up with this elaborate scheme to try to trap Jesus. Verse 27 says, and after them all, after all seven of the brothers die, the woman died. And then they ask this question in verse 28 of Matthew 22. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, of the seven brothers, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, you are wrong. And he tells them they're wrong on two accounts, because you neither know the Scriptures nor the power of God. So they don't know the Scriptures, and they don't know the power of God. For in the resurrection, Jesus teaches us, they, that is, persons in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. In other words, marriage is a thing of this world. It's not going to be a part of the afterlife. Verse 31, Jesus says, And as, as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? And then he quotes that Exodus 3, 6 passage that I quoted earlier. Verse 32, Have you not read, he tells the Sadducees, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. What's his point? His point is that even though Abraham has died, Isaac has died, Jacob has died, that's what God was communicating to Moses there in Exodus 3, including even Joseph for that matter, they have all died. But notice what he says here by the tense of the verb. Have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not I was their God, but I am their God. That means they are alive. Their spirits, their souls are alive. Now, they'll get their bodies later, but they're as alive as they could possibly be. He wasn't the former God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, I am their God, speaking in the present tense. This is the argument of present tense verbs to affirm the resurrection 
of all persons. And for believers, it's the resurrection to life. Jesus Christ is alive. He said he had died, but he said, I am alive evermore. I'm alive forever. And so all those in this world who've ever lived, Jesus said there in John 5, will go either to a resurrection to life or a resurrection to judgment. So everybody lives. The question is, are you going to live eternally in the presence of God or are you going to live eternally in the presence of other unbelievers like yourself in hell? Don't be concerned. Don't be confused. There is a final destiny for everyone. And since Jesus Christ is alive, and since he grants eternal life to those whom he wills, if you are in Christ, if you're a part of the people of God, if you're a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ personally, if you've repented of your sins, if you have confessed those sins to God, and if you believe that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, and if you believe that there is a resurrection of life to come, you, in fact, will live. Death is not the end. Death is not some kind of conditional immortality where you're alive for a time after you die and then you are exterminated, you're incinerated, you're, you're, you're no longer an entity. No, you will have your spirit and soul and one day in the resurrection they will be reunited, they'll be rejoined and some to a resurrection of judgment and some to a resurrection of eternal life, eternal bliss, blessing, being forever with Jesus Christ. That's why when my beloved wife Beth died, she went directly into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Her spirit, her soul left her body at the point of death, and she was immediately with the Lord. Because the Bible teaches us, Paul told the Corinthians, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Don't be, don't be concerned about your final destiny. And notice over in Mark chapter 12, that same scene with Jesus and the Sadducees, and he even includes more of the dialogue in Mark chapter 12. Look at verse 18, and the Sadducees came to him who say there is no resurrection, and they ask them the same question, of course, that Mark captures, and Jesus responded to them in verse 24, is this not the reason you are wrong, because you neither know the Scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven." And then this, verse 26, here's the additional statement that Jesus taught them. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses in the passage about the bush, that is the burning bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Do you see that present tense argument there? I am their God, not I was their God. And then this, here's the addition, verse 27, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living you are quite wrong. You see, if, if you or anyone else believes that death is the end, death is, is the 
the final act of anyone. Uh, they are exterminated, incinerated. They, they cease to exist. Uh, there's, there's no more person, whether it's body or spirit and soul. Uh, they just simply are gone, and they have no consciousness of their life. They're done. That's it. That's all there is. And Jesus Christ says to you or the Sadducees or anyone else, you are quite wrong. You're quite wrong. Why? Because Jesus Christ is Lord over all life. Why? Because Jesus Christ is alive himself, and so are his people alive. In Luke chapter 20, that same account in all of these synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he even adds, does Luke in chapter 20, a comment about this same scene with the Sadducees. They give the same idea, the seven brothers, the woman who was to keep their line going. They asked the same question. And Jesus says in Luke 20, verse 34, and Jesus said to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. In other words, it's, it's a part of this world. It's a part of this, this planet that we marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection." But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush where he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God of the dead, but of the living for all live to him. There's the addition of Luke's gospel. All live to him. All live Jesus Christ is alive, and if you're in Christ, you shall remain alive even when your body goes to the grave. Why? Because for you and for me as Christians, God is the God of the dead and the living. He's he's the God who has control over my spirit and my soul at the very point of my death. Oh, I trust you believe that. I trust you believe that. I trust you believe the word of God. God is the present tense God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and the prophets and of Peter and Paul and the apostles. And for every believer like you and like me, he is alive. And so we are alive in him. Number three. Jesus Christ is living unto God the Father, and so are we living or dying in Him. I said Jesus Christ is Lord of all life. Jesus Christ is alive and so are His people. And thirdly, Jesus Christ is living Himself unto God the Father, and so are we if we are in Him. This is so wonderfully taught to us in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, all through the book of Romans, this theme about living unto God, whether alive or dead. This is what the Bible teaches, Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Notice this, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. New here in this life and the greatest kind of newness in the life to come. When there'll be no sin, no sorrow, no tears, we'll be alive, we'll be more alive then than we ever shall be on this earth because we'll be ridded of this sinful flesh, this sinful body, this sinful mind. This is, this is an amazing teaching. Since Jesus Christ lives to God the Father, so we who are in him, living or dead, are alive to God. Romans chapter 7 says it this way in verse 24. Wretched man that I am, Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? Who's going to raise me up on the last day? Who's going to give me life? Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't be confused, brothers and sisters. Don't be concerned about living or dying. For to live is to live for the Lord, and to die is to die for the Lord. This is the truth that held me firm as I watched my dear wife go to be with Christ. I knew that 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 outward physical body in which her spirit and soul were, were a part of, that, that, that body goes to the grave. It's, it's a part of this world. This flesh is tied to this existence. But the soul, the body, the, the, the soul and the body, they're joined. But at death, the soul goes to be with the Lord. So whether we're alive in this body, we're alive to Jesus Christ because he's alive to God. But if we're with the Lord in heaven without our bodies until the resurrection, then we're alive to the Lord in our spirits, in our souls. This is what God's Word teaches us. Look over at Romans chapter 8. I don't want you to be confused about any of this. Romans chapter 8 says in verse 10, But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He'll he'll raise you up spiritually from the dead, the spiritually dead. In other words, you'll be a Christian. You'll come to life in Christ. And when your body dies and it goes to the grave, your spirit will be ushered into the eternal presence of God the Father through Jesus Christ. You say, well, what about my body? What about my body? What, what happens to that? Does it just go into some kind of non-existence? Does it, does it cease to exist? Does it, does it become eaten by worms in a, in a casket? Uh, does it become eaten by fish in the, the ocean if, if your body is there? Well, notice what it says in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 22. For we know 
that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await the adoption, our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Yes, we wait the redemption of our bodies. And, and we will have our bodies back. Now, a glorified body, mind you, a glorified body, but we don't have to worry about such things. Because if you live, you live for the Lord now in your body, with your soul, your spirit. And if you die, you're going to die in the Lord. And one day your body and your souls will be reunited We could call this the argument of freedom in Christ. We don't have to hang on for dear life as though this life is all there is. There's another life to come. And this is taught to us so clearly in Romans chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. You might not have seen this before, but Romans 14, 8 says this, For if we live, if we live in this life, if we live in this body with the spirits and and souls that we have, we live to the Lord. Paul says to the Romans. And if we die, if we cease to exist bodily, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. You see, he owns us. If if he lives unto God the Father because he died, he was resurrected from the dead to evermore live unto the Lord God, the Lord God of the universe, the Father of all mercies, then if we're in him, we, whether we live, we live to him. Whether we die, we die to him because we are the Lord's. And then verse 9 of Romans 14 says, For to this end Christ died and lived again. You see that? Christ died and he lived again. He was resurrected from the dead that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. You see, You and I, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we're alive. We think we've got the rest of our life in front of us. And let's say we have a disease. Let's say we have a malady of some kind. And let's say we die. Well, if we die, we're the Lord's. We belong to the Lord. Why? Because he's Lord of both the dead and the living. We are living in him. We're living in him. Don't be confused. Don't don't be concerned about living or dying as if that's all there is. Don't grab all of the gusto of this life as though this life is all there is. There is another life to come. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that is the truth of our world? Do you believe that's the truth of life and death? Oh, I trust that you do, because this is firmly taught to us in God's Word. Let me give you a fourth way to clear up some confusion about resurrection, and it is this. Jesus Christ is able to raise and glorify our bodies and reunite those bodies to our souls. I've alluded to that before. But I need to say it very, very explicitly. And this is something that's very confusing to people. Sometimes you'll, you'll hear someone say, well, since so-and-so has died, uh, since uh, your wife has died, then uh, 
she now has her body in heaven. No, that doesn't come, my friends, until the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. Don't be confused about this. This is what the Bible teaches. Don't be concerned about uh, going to heaven without your body. Some people just uh, cease to to, to want to believe this. They, uh, they can't handle it. They, they think, I, I have to have both my body and my spirit or soul uh, with me at all times. Now, don't be concerned about this. That body will be resurrected never to die again because if you and I, if we're in Christ, we'll receive these new glorified raised bodies which will be reunited with our souls, and we will return with Jesus Christ at his second coming to reign with him. If you want to make an argument of this, you could say this is the argument of resurrection continuity. Resurrection continuity. And you don't have to go anywhere else but 1 Corinthians chapter 15, because that's the great resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians 15. Listen to what it says in verse 20. This explicitly teaches us that we're going to receive our resurrected bodies at the second coming of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death... By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at the coming. Notice that. Christ the firstfruits, and then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Did you read that? 1 Corinthians 15.22, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy, enemy to be destroyed is death. You see that? When you and I Go to be with the Lord at our death. If any Christian dies, doesn't matter how they've died, if you and I are to die and to go to be with the Lord, and one day we will all die, we, our spirits, our souls, talking about the same uh, entity, the, the spirit, the soul, we go and be instantly with the Lord. But our body remains in the grave. And at the second coming, that's why it says here, at his coming, those who belong to Christ will be made alive. Verse 35. But someone will ask, well, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Paul says, you, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. It has to be raised, and it will be raised. Uh, raised. Verse 38, but God gives it a body as he has chosen. And then he gives some illustrations. It's like seed that goes to the earth and dies. God, God raises it up as a full-blown tree. There are heavenly bodies, earthly bodies, there's the glory of the sun, the glory of the moon, the glory of the stars. 
For stars differ from star in glory, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. That's our life now. That's our bodies now. What is raised is imperishable, never to die, never to perish. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. He says, you, you, you shouldn't doubt this. We live in the natural world. We'll one day be in the spiritual world with our new bodies, glorified bodies, raised bodies, transformed bodies. He says in verse 50, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, transformed, glorified in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Your your physical body at the second coming glory of Jesus Christ will be putting on immortality. This mortal body will be immortalized. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ is fully able, fully capable to raise and glorify one day our bodies at his coming and to reunite them to our souls. That's why the book of Philippians is is so wonderful in this regard because Paul talks about this same idea in Philippians chapter 3. Notice what he says in the middle part of verse 8. He says, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Did you know that Paul's spirit, his soul, is with the Lord? And at the second coming, his body shall be rejoined to his soul, his spirit. That'll be the second coming glory of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of all the dead ones to life in Christ. He he says in chapter 3 and verse 20 in that same section, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, to be just like his glorious body. Do you hear that gospel truth by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself? This is is glorious truth, my friends. You say, well, are you saying that right now, in heaven, I don't have my body. I can't run around to heaven. I can't 
use my feet. I can't see out of my eyes. I can't use my arms to praise the Lord. Oh, no, you can, you can do all of those things in your spirit. Uh, you can do it in, in a way that God has established for now until your bodies are reunited with your souls. Do you know that in Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible tells us what it is like right now? Listen to what it says. You have come, Hebrews 12, 22, to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. This is what it's going to be like, friends. And to the assembly, the, the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all. And then listen to this. And to the spirits or souls of the righteous made perfect. You see, that's what's happening. Those who've gone to be with the Lord, those we love, those we care about, those we cherish, their their souls are in heaven now. Their bodies are in the grave. And that's why it says here that in heaven they are referred to as the spirits of just or righteous men and women made perfect. See, they have no sin, no sorrow, no tears, and they await their bodies to be reunited with them at the second coming glory of Jesus Christ. Don't be confused. Don't be concerned. God knows how to reunite your body with your soul. You're you're no less the person than you are. And when God glorifies and reconstitutes every molecule, every cell of that which was incorporated in you at your birth and your life and upon your death. He knows how to reunite your body and soul at the point of his second coming glory. Don't be confused. Don't be concerned about that. And number five, and finally, Jesus Christ is not only Lord over all life. He's alive and so are his people. He lives unto God, and so we do too as well if we are in him. Jesus Christ is able to raise. He's capable of glorifying our bodies and reuniting them with our souls. And fifth and finally, Jesus Christ is a God of love who comforts us through the death of our own loved ones. Oh, I want to encourage you with this. Jesus Christ is a God of love who comforts us through the death of even of our own loved ones. Oh, beloved, don't be confused. Don't be concerned about your loved ones who have died. They are, if they are in Christ, spared the wrath to come and will have their bodies rise first in the resurrection. Yes, that's true. We're going to get to this as we continue our study of First Thessalonians. And of course, First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 says that Jesus has delivered us from the wrath to come. It says in First Thessalonians 1, 9, to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. There will be a great wrath to come. And for those who are in Christ, we will be delivered from such a wrath. That's why 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 says it this way, 
But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, using sleep as a euphemism for death, those who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that? Do you believe that, friends? We believe that as Christians. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, we who are still here at the second coming of Jesus Christ, who are left until the coming of the Lord, and, and maybe Paul believed that was some of them then because he believed in the imminent return of Christ. They will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. He'll descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel. This is the second coming glory of Jesus Christ, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Don't be, don't be concerned. Don't be confused about those who have died before you. They'll be rising first in the resurrection. Verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians 4, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. And then the Bible says, therefore, encourage one another or comfort one another with these words. That is so comforting. I have the truth, the reality, the statements of the Word of God itself that tells me that my loved ones, including my own dear wife, she will rise first in the resurrection. And if I die, I will be with her and others whom we love, and we will be raised from the dead. Oh, that's such an encouraging, comforting word. Paul goes on in chapter 5, verse 1, saying, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, talking about true believers, you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And then these words, listen to this. Verse 9, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, For God has not destined us for wrath, just like what he said in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake, whether we're here in this body as Christians, or we're asleep, or we've died, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Did you notice? Encourage one another with these words, verse 18 of chapter 4, 
And now verse 11 of chapter 5, therefore encourage or comfort one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And he says the same thing in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. Don't let anybody send you a letter or or tell you or deceive you that the day of the Lord has come. And he says, the end of that chapter, chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, verse 13, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he comes in his second coming glory, that you will obtain that same glory glory. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. And then this wonderful benediction-like statement in verse 16, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts. There it is again. Encourage or comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Oh, beloved, believing people, Jesus Christ is a God of love who comforts us, encourages us through the death of our own loved ones. Do you have a family member who's died, died in Christ? God loves them. He's caring for them. Even now, they're with him in glory. And they'll come with him in glory with, with their souls and their spirits. And, and, and they'll be resurrected in their bodies to be rejoined, reunited with those souls and spirits. And then that completely, in totality, that glorified body and soul of that loved one of yours or mine They will be coming with Jesus Christ in the clouds of the air so that we would be forever with the Lord and will reign with him for a thousand years. And then the new heavens and the new earth will come and it will replace this sin-cursed earth where there is no disease and no sickness and no malady and no sin and no sorrow and no tears and we will forever be with the Lord. Is that your hope? Is that your gospel hope? Oh, I trust that it is. It was the hope of my dear wife, Beth Quinn. It was the hope of the loved ones that you believed and knew were, in fact, the ones who will be with the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you have given us this morning, Resurrection Day 2020. You've given it to us to encourage our hearts, to give us hope, to give us even hope in a time and a place and a season in which there's so much talk of viruses and 
plagues and pandemical issues of of how our world is fraught with disease and sickness that brings death. But Father, we are we are your loved ones. You love us, Jesus Christ. You you died for us. You you, you yourself were raised from the dead to to reign forever and ever as the loving God of the universe who will in fact come again and our souls will be reunited with our bodies and we shall forever be with the Lord. Oh, thank you for giving me this morning and for others this gospel hope, this hope of the resurrection of the dead, this second coming glory that will reunite our souls with our bodies and we will be forever serving and worshiping and adoring you for all time and throughout all eternity. Heavenly Father, I pray that those who are listening to this message would have such hope to repent of their sins and to place their faith alone in Jesus Christ. And I pray that anyone who within the sound of my voice, says, I want that hope. I, I want to live beyond the grave. I, I don't want to go into a resurrection of judgment. I don't want to spend eternity in hell. Oh, Father, give them resurrection hope from Jesus Christ himself to be granted eternal life and to live forever with the Lord. If this is the case with you, I pray that you would even right now, wherever you are, that as you are seated, you can say to your own heart, I want to be saved. I want to be delivered from my sin. I want my sins forgiven. I want Christ to give me eternal hope, eternal life. He has the the power over all life. He's Lord of life. He He is, not was, the God of all who are in Him. He is the one who is the giver of life. And I pray that He would give me life, that I would confess my sins and ask Him to forgive me and to give me this hope of eternal life. I want such a life. I've made a mess of my life. You may be laying in a hospital room and hearing these words and you may be facing death. Cry out to Jesus Christ for life, for hope, and ask Him to forgive you. Thank Him for what He did to die on a cross for sinners like us. And as He lay in that tomb. After three days, God raised him up. The Father lifted him to life. And the Spirit gave him power to live. And he was resurrected. And so too can we be resurrected unto eternal life. Oh, I hope that's the case with you. I rejoice, Heavenly Father, that you have raised me up to have eternal life. And that one day when I'm worshiping you in heaven 
And when it's time for us to come back to this earth and second coming glory, that the angels and the righteous men and women who've been made perfect will receive our resurrection bodies and we will live in the new heavens and the new earth to be forever with the Lord. Oh, thank you for such hope. May it be true of all of us, all of us who are those who've repented and believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in whose eternal blessed name we now pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.